0: Well, our pastors are on a Sunday series on parables. So on um, a Wednesday night here during this sermon series, I wanted to do a teaching on a given parable. So tonight I want to do a teaching on a parable from Mark chapter 4. And to illustrate a message I call, Don't Give Up the Word of God. Uh, So this is more of applying what this parable is to our lives rather than going in great detail about it. Uh, But uh, it's important that uh, we have a position in life that we don't give up the word. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for uh, all the instruction that we have in Christ on how to live a successful Christian life this side of heaven. That Father God, we would see all your promises manifest, Father, in our days That, Father, we would be a people that don't give up the Word of God when the pressures of life try to come and force us to. But rather, we hold on to your Word. We treasure it in our hearts uh, that we would not sin against you and that we would see it prosper in us. So we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to go through a lot of scriptures tonight. Uh, If you would turn to Mark chapter 4. If not, you can follow through on the overhead there that you have, or that is behind me. Uh, so, Mark chapter 4 here, verse 1. Again he began to teach by the sea, and such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat on the sea and sat down, and the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and was saying to them in his teaching, Listen to this. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and when he was sowing, some seed fell beside the roadside, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of soil. And when the sun had risen, it was scorched, because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seed fell on the good soil, and it grew up and increased and yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100 times as much. And he was saying, and he, was saying he who has ears to hear, let, uh, let them hear. Okay, so at this point, he's done, and the crowds are gone. And they're probably scratching their heads, pondering his words. Uh, but the disciples hung around, of course, and he changed his strategy Now, uh, this became a personal teaching opportunity for them. And in verse 10, he goes on, as soon as he was alone, all right, they're all gone the crowd, his followers, along with the 12 disciples, so there was more than 12 there, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, everything comes in parables. So while seeing they may see, but not, not perceive. While hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they would return and it would be forgiven them. So here we have um, the outsiders are gone. Now the insiders remain. And Jesus' disciples were insiders. And then from verses 13 to 19, Jesus gives his disciples an explanation of his parable. And in verse 13, he says to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all parables? Interesting here. This kind of implies to us that this is a foundational parable to understand all of his parables. In other words, it's a parable about the kingdom of God and about the word of God. He considered this apparently foundational. He goes on in verse 14 to explain it. The sower sows the word. And then he goes on to say in an explanation in verse 15, these are the ones who are, by, who are by the, beside the road where the word of God is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes to take away the word which has been sown in them. And in a similar way, these are the ones who are sown with seed on the rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And yet they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. When Then when affliction or persecution occurs because of the word, immediately they fall away. Others and others are the ones sown with seed among the thorns. And these are the ones who have heard the word. But the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things enter and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So one important topic here is... The Word Seed. The Word of God is seed. It's seed for us. And uh, now I'm not going to concentrate on that part tonight, but I, I want to see uh, what you understand it's deeply related to what I'm sharing tonight. Holy Spirit farms us. We're a farm. He farms us. We're a field. And He plants the Word of God, the Word Seed, in us. When we go to the Word and read it, When we hear it, he plants the Word of God in us, and he expects it to grow in us. Uh, So it is seed for everything that we need in life. Uh, For all the uh, advancements we would want to have spiritually this side of heaven, the very seeds of it are right here in the Word of God. Uh, It starts as a simple seed. When planted in us, it grows. It becomes a seedling, a young plant. And eventually bearing fruit through us. So keep this in mind tonight. Because tonight I want to concentrate uh, on verses 15 to 19 here that we just read on the type of soils that the word seed is planted into. And first here, in summary, uh, let's look at the contents of Jesus' teaching on what he tells us about these types of soils. There's the hard soil. There's the, I have a hyphen here, the rocky, thorny soil. And then there's the good soil. Real simple. Okay, well, to all these soils, the Word of God is likened to a seed that can grow when it's planted. So Holy Spirit plants the Word seed, which are the promises of God's Word in us. Uh, it could be seeds of love, that we would live a crop of love. It could be seeds of the grace for forgiveness. How about that? God gives us a grace to forgive, something we would not be able to do if we weren't born again. Isn't that interesting? Anybody can forgive, but God can give you a supernatural grace to forgive that would not be available for you if you did not know Christ as your Savior. So there are seeds to forgive. Uh, There are seeds of the Word of God that bring healing to us. There are seeds that cause our growth in Christ, because we need to be fruit bearers. So now, of course, the people whom Jesus is speaking to—they knew this. These are all farming issues. They were very familiar with these topics at that time. I was not raised a farmer. I've read a few books, but I'm not a farmer. I'm very dumb when it comes to all that stuff and dairy stuff. I would walk up to a cow and go, "A quart uh, homogenized, please," but I want it cold. That's how dumb I am. I, I wouldn't even know. I mean, I, I go to the grocery store and I think the food comes from there. You know, I'm dumb. So anyway, uh, but they understood these farming issues; they lived them out. Uh, so when Jesus uses these soils as examples, analogies to men's hearts, when the word of God comes into them, they got that much. They were like, "Okay, I get the picture." Okay, okay. So they have a little understanding here. So um, the goal here, of course, is to have good soil. We want good soil. So if we start to look at these type of soils here, keep in mind, it may not be all or nothing. In other words, you either have hard soil or you've got good soil. Not really. Many issues of life that we face, we could be in different conditions. Um, Some parts of our life may have hard soil. Other parts of our life may be thorny, rocky soil. Yet other parts of our life can be good soil. Now, for example, a person could have good soil regarding serving the Lord. They just tick to serve the Lord, and boy, oh boy, brings them joy unexpressible. Yet they could have very hard soil when it comes to giving finances. So that we could be in different conditions. Um, And of course, some may need to change their soil and grow in Christ, because we want to have good soil in all areas. So let's take a look at some of these soils here that we have that we're talking about. First of all, let's start with the hard soil. Now, on the hard soil, this is where the evil one comes to steal the word seed. Uh, The word of God is seed, and it has all that it needs in it to grow and prosper. In fact, I did a teaching about a year ago on watering the uh, word seed. So I would refer you to that in our podcasts to give you more information on that. Uh, So a seed has all that it needs in it to grow. It's dormant life, if you would. And... um, In the hard soil, the evil one steals the word of God because it never got into our hearts. Here he can steal what we don't receive. So the hearer of the word of God can reject what they hear, right? People can reject, and they do. Teachings on tithing, forgiveness, healing. Pick one. Uh, People reject when the word of God is sown. It's like, boing, it bounces right off them. They didn't want to hear that. In fact, many hopefully good ministers of the gospel, when the church service is over, they might stop to pray that the word of God sown would not be stolen by the evil one when they leave the building. Because come on, if you ask anybody, uh, maybe an hour or two hours after church service, what did the pastor speak on? They go, um, uh, well, well, you know, it, it was good. It's already stolen. There's a famous joke. It's a true story. Uh, Calvin Coolidge was one of our presidents in the 1920s, and he didn't talk much. That's, that's what they call him, a silent Cal. And he came home from church one day. His wife wasn't with him. And his wife said to him, uh, it's a true story. What did the pastor speak on today? Sin. What did he say? He was opposed to it. <laughs> and that was the conversation. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we don't want to have the Word of God stolen from our hearts, so it's very important that uh, um, we realize the enemy is out to steal what we don't want to hear. It bounces right off us. All right, next here comes the rocky, thorny soil. I kind of put them together here. I want to spend some time on this one tonight, especially as a heart condition. Uh, Here in the heart soil, in this heart soil, the evil one can't steal the word of God. Why? Because it's not a seed any longer. It's been planted in you. The person has received it. And now it is a seedling. It is starting to grow. It's a small plant. So because the enemy can't steal it, now he has to change his strategy and his tactics. And he does. And he tries to get us to give it up and kill it by putting pressure in our lives. He wants us to do the dirty work and uh, because the seed is growing, but he wants us to stop it. So my main purpose today in using this parable is to show you that the enemy tries to pressure us to give up the Word of God. And I want to really encourage you tonight, make sure you guard your hearts that the Word of God that is planted in you does not uh, 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 get destroyed, especially by your own hands. I'm here to encourage you tonight to hold on to the Word of God so fruit will come forth this year for you and for the kingdom of God. It's always our goal. We don't really realize that sometimes, but when we hear the Word spoken, when we're in the Word of God reading it, I'm planting my future at that time. And I want my future to be prosperous, not a disaster. But if I don't take it serious, I will even kill my own seed and we don't want to do that. That's why this is a very foundational parable that Jesus shares here. In fact, Jesus tells us in John chapter 15 that the Father desires that we be fruit bearers and bear much fruit. What is your and my purpose here, this side of heaven? Bear fruit. The enemy does not want you to bear fruit. He does not want you to affect the next generation with the gospel in some capacity. He does not want people to learn from your example, how you serve the Lord. He wants to make sure that they don't have a future because you're planting the future for the next generation. Your own children, they are constantly watching you. They may not say two words to you, but they're constantly watching you and and they're learning how to be adults, how to be men and women by your model. How do you you learn to be a man or a woman? You watch your parents. How do you learn how to be a husband and wife? You've watched your parents' marriage. And you've learned the good or the bad. Unfortunately, for too many people, they learn in marriage, he who yells the loudest gets what they want. Because they learn that from the home they grew up in. And that's not right. So it's very important that we are constantly teaching our children, our grandchildren, and those around us what it is to be a believer. And uh, that's the purpose we bear fruit in the kingdom of God. That when we're long gone, that fruit still remains in other people's lives and they pass it on to others, right? There's an old expression, we stand on the shoulders of giants. We're not that great of a hotshot. We stand on the shoulders of giants who've gone long before us, who have presented the gospel long before us. And from generation to generation, it has sustained, and we're here today bearing uh, an example of their hard work in the kingdom of God in one way or another. Sometimes we don't even realize it. So uh, it's very important that we're here to bear fruit in the kingdom of God. That's a very interesting point. It's something that we should be, uh, for lack of a better word, obsessed over. I want to be a fruit bearer. I want to be a fruit bearer. I don't want to have it said there was no fruit ever born. Wow, what a wasted life that was. The one thing that matters is Uh, that we bear fruit in the kingdom of God and touch that next generation for Jesus. So, um, being fruit bearers, we need to realize that, this tonight, that only we can destroy that seedling growing in us. The enemy cannot destroy it. So let's look here at verses 16 and 17 again, in the first Rocky issues, verse 16. And in a similar way, these are the ones sown with seed on the rocky places. Who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. Verse 17, and yet they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution occurs because of the word, immediately they fall away. Okay, so we see here the rocky soil is where there are obstacles to the word seedling growing. The word seedling wants to grow. I want to be big. I want to bear fruit. Yay. And it's being hindered because of obstacles in the way. I'm sure you might be aware, if you just think about it for a second, when a seedling grows, it has opposite growth simultaneously. It grows both up and downward at the same time. I'm not even a farmer and I know that. Uh, you know, fruit upward, roots downward. And we need roots to get fruits. Very important. I may not be grammatically correct, but I like it. We need roots to get fruits. Uh, so here we see root rocks here are pictures here in Jesus' words of obstacles that prevent deep roots from forming, which are essential for lasting, firm growth. The only way a really good plant has good fruit is, first of all, it has to have good soil, and it has to have a good root system to get to the water for it to grow. And here we have in verses 17 here that affliction and persecution come. Now, and it's probably a literal context. Jesus is talking about receiving his words and you'll be opposed by the Pharisees of your day. They will persecute you in the days ahead. So there's obviously religion uh, attacking the believer at that time. But there's other things that are here besides that. Um, Here we have that... um, The enemy attacks with external circumstances because he can't touch our hearts. He cannot get to your heart. So he comes from the outside in to put pressure in your lives and to live on planet Earth. Welcome to pressure. In fact, I am positive today in the age we live in, there is more pressure in our lives today than there has been in any other time in human history. The only difference would be in a time of war when you're actually in a war zone. That'd be the only difference. But there is more pressure today in society uh, on us uh, than there ever has been in the history of humanity. Also has to do with the complexity of the society we have. Uh, So, the enemy is out to get the word of God in you. So, he takes these external pressures and he puts pressure on us. And his weapons we see here are affliction and persecution because we have the word seed growing in us. If you don't have the word seed growing in you, you are harmless to the evil one. What does he care about you? But when you do have the word seed growing in you, he can't stop you, but he doesn't want you to affect somebody else to grow in Christ. He doesn't want to see your children grow up to grow in Christ. He doesn't want to see you affecting other people to strengthen them in their faith. Now you become dangerous to him. We should be dangerous to him. Amen? Amen. So, affliction here are not sickness. That's not the point here. Um, uh, To paraphrase this in the Greek, tribulations mean, first of all, uh, pressing against Our souls. So, examples of tribulations that press against us Uh, lack of finances, press against us. Uh, Broken automobiles, right? Uh, One setback after another, press against us. Uh, And then what do we do? We add that worry, fear, unbelief. We do our own damage to ourselves in attacking our own word seed that's in us. Persecutions here from the Greek imply being put to flight. In other words, they pursue us, try to cause us to run away from what we are pursuing, Uh, seeking after us, attacks and harassments. I think a lot of believers know in life they get a lot of attacks and harassments sometimes. Why? It's after the word seed that wants you to destroy it, to give it up. And these afflictions and persecutions, they scorch the uh, unrooted word seed in us. It's very important that we have a root system built in us in the Word of God. It's important you're not ignorant of the Word of God. You know your Bible better. That's why we have a Bible school and why we have always have classes on learning and applying the Word of God to our lives. Why? We're building up a root system. We just don't want to see warm bodies and chairs. We want to see a root system built up in people because we know we can't live your life for you you have to live it for yourself and you have to deal with the tribulations and persecutions of life for yourself. So you need a root system built in you to do that. You need a root system of the Word of God to know how to handle the persecutions and the afflictions when they come and they will come. So if we are not uh, equipped into handling that, then we are uh, helpless and we give up too easily. So we see here if we have no roots, then we have no patience to endure. And that's a problem for us. We lack contentment in Christ. We have no rest. Too many Christians live here. They go from one church service to another church service because in between church services, they got beaten up in life and they can't wait to get back to church. It's like a respite. Then they go out to get beaten up all over again. That is not a victorious Christian life. And yet most people do live that way across at least this country. Uh, That should not be. I shouldn't have to go from church service to church service to get pumped up because I'm getting beaten up in between. What am I doing in between with the word of God? I am to be building my own root system. Amen? Through prayer, through the word of God, through doing something with the word of God, I am to be building up my own root system. And when we don't do that, the word seed has nothing to hold to here. So again, when we have no roots, um, we have no confidence to stand on the word of God and we quit sowing the Word of God. So that's uh, very, very important that we realize that. Uh, rocks in our hearts cause, up, cause us to give up the Word seed. So how about that? Rocks, the obstacles. Uh, these obstacles in our heart soil can be unforgiveness. They can be bitterness. They can be resentment. I've met people who've lived their whole life in unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment because of really horrible things that happen to them. We don't make light of it, but they hold on to those hurts like it's gold and they won't let it go. And they hurt themselves in the process year after year after year. Any, un, any practice of unrepentant sin that you think God just winks at is an obstacle. Um, there's rocks of unbelief. Uh, there's rocks of religious tradition. Religious tradition will rob you of the truth of God's Word all the time. Pride is a big deal. A lot of folks deal with pride. Pride is an obstacle in the heart. Self-centered ambition. A lot of ambitious people out there. Get out of my way, Lord. It's my turn now. Uh, They just, you know, they're using God for their own little pathway in life. Uh, The the list could go on of rocks. But these rocks uh, are things that are obstacles. And there's not a lot of Soil. And therefore, word seed quickly grows up because the word wants to grow up, but instead of rejoicing when the sun comes, it dies due to poor roots and no water that we've caused to happen ourselves. So, without deep roots of the word of God, affliction and persecution from the evil one come and they uproot that word seed in us because we just can't hold on to it. We give up believing. A very common scenario. How sad. So the enemy here is after the roots. Uh, When you have a good root system of growth, you have access to water, and of course the water uh, influences it and causes it to grow. In a parallel account of what we're reading, in Luke's Gospel, in chapter 8, verse 6, it says, Other seed fell on the rocky soil, and when it came up, it withered because it had no moisture. That's a nice uh, uh, twist that Luke did here. Water here is a picture of the Holy Spirit and uh, watering the word seed in us with our, with our living a life of belief, of patience and worship. That word seed is watered by the Holy Spirit in his growth. Uh, so if the evil one can get us to dry up these roots, we won't get any fruits. It's just that simple. And uh, so it's very important that we need that water that only Holy Spirit can bring us. The solution here, Kate, which is the point to this rocky issue, is for us to repent for allowing these obstacles in our hearts. And thus we have to remove them. Colossians chapter 2 here is great in verses 6 and 7. Therefore... As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted. I love it. And now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed with overflowing and overflowing with gratitude. So we see here being rooted in Christ also involves instruction. How about that? Uh, you know, when, when, the, when churches offer classes, I think Pastor Bob right now is doing a class for uh, new believers, uh, they're being instructed on how to walk with God. Uh, whenever there's opportunities to have discipleship classes or whatever the topic could be, we're being instructed to walk with God. We need that instruction because I don't know about you, but I don't know everything. I need somebody to, to instruct me. And then I want to take it seriously what they say and put it as part of my life we need instruction on how to worship. We need instruction on how to pray. We need instruction of what to do with the Word of God. We need instruction on how we live our lives day by day out there in a world full of pressures and hassles so that we would not be overcome by them. We need instruction. And here he's telling us in Colossians 2 that this instruction helps us be firmly rooted. Another uh, type of almost identical from Paul. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted, here we go again, and grounded in love. We see here, as Paul also tells us, we need to be rooted in the love that's in Christ Jesus. As he tells us in Corinthians, without love, we're nothing. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't have the love of Christ in your heart, towards the Lord, towards your brother and sister in Christ, we're nothing. We're just nothing. So all of, us, all of this is rooted and grounded in the love that we have. And the Holy Spirit will teach us to love, right? Uh, it's amazing when people get born again, they have this dopey look on their face and they have this love in this heart towards other people, and nobody taught them to do that. Holy Spirit is their teacher, teaching them to love. The new nature of love is coming out. Don't quench it. Let it grow. So we have to go deeper here in the Word of God. People with deep roots who have their eyes fixed upon Jesus can never be shaken by afflictions and persecutions. Their fruit will bloom always. That's an important key. We need to have our eyes fixed on Jesus. Or otherwise, we could be eaten up by the afflictions of life and we give up. Now let's move on here to the thorny soil because I have it like hyphenated. The thorny soil here in Mark 4 in verses 18 and 19. And other ones are sown among the seeds, among the thorns. And these are the ones who have heard the word and the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of, of wealth and the desire for other things enter and choke the word of God and it becomes unfruitful. Different type here, but again a soil condition. The heart condition is similar here to the rocky soil, but here there are obstacles already there preventing us from bearing fruit in a different way where the rocky soil has moisture issues it's crowded moisture can't get to the word seat that easily preventing it to grow the thorny soil is a little different the thorny soil is a soil with competition there's it's a competition issue where the seedling starts to get choked because other things inside of us are choking it from growing uh thorns um They are sharp, right? Edged, pointed things that cut and hurt. So when you come in contact contact with them. So these uh, horns, no, the thorns, not horns. These thorns (laughs) hurt us in the soul realm with cares and mental suffering. And a lot of people, their lives are overwhelmed with cares and mental suffering. And notice here in verse 7 that we read before the thorns are already in the soil. They're growing side by side with the word seed. They grow faster and they crowd the soil, right? Did you ever hear that? That weeds grow faster than quality seed? It's absolute truth. They grow faster and they uh, crowd out and choke out the quality seed. So in Luke chapter 8 here, verse 7, we have a parallel to Mark. And the word choke here in Greek means to choke away from. So that is the purpose of these thorns are to choke the, the seedling away from its goal, which is to bear fruit. So the seedling here, it gives up. In Luke chapter 8, verse 14, uh, there's a choking that takes place uh, in the original Greek, which can be translated drowned. So it's being drowned by the cares and desires of life that are working against it. So back here to Mark 4. Verse 19, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So let's look at these briefly. First of all, there are the worries of the age we live in. That's number one. In the original Greek, it means cares and anxieties. Cares and anxieties. You'd have to be living under a rock to not to know. in, the, in the, the age we live in is full of cares and anxieties. I mean, just turn on the news; there are professionals in sowing cares and anxieties into you. Uh, financial lack—a big care and anxiety. Worry over your possessions. Uh, worry over getting sick or being sick. Uh, worry over your investments. Worry over inflation. Worry over growing older worry over family issues all of these are cares and anxiety that want to preoccupy your mind and your heart and and they they tell the word of god in us go aside i want to concentrate on these not you Where, where the word of god is the one that has the answer it wants to crowd it out move it away move it away they're worries of the age we live in you can't escape it it's here it's how you deal with it that matters The second one is deceitfulness of riches or wealth. Now, that does not mean to gain wealth is wrong. That does not mean to have riches is wrong. It's what you do with it that matters. Deceitfulness here in the Greek means the ability to lie and cheat. So, obviously, this talks about trying to gain wealth in a deceitful, lying manner to hurt other people as you gain your wealth. Riches here um, simply means money that we use to obtain things by and what we can buy. Um, and keep in mind, people can have a deceitfulness of riches and not have two dimes rubbed together. Because it's not the amount of money you have. It's if, it's your belief that money will solve all my problems. That's a deceitfulness of riches. And you can have very little of it and yet be taken by that quite big. So here we have um, uh, the, really the issue uh, You know, when we think about money, do we really think first that our supply comes from God? That should be our first thought. Whenever we think about finances, money, uh, oh yeah, that comes from the Lord. But we don't think that way, do we? And if we don't think that way, we have thorns. Already there. They're already there. If we don't think that way immediately, there's already thorns. And by the way, this society teaches you to have them. To grow up in America, you're you're taught to have these thorns. Yeah. Well, if I think of finances or money, I should first think, oh, the Lord's my supply. That should be the first thought in my mind. Not, well, my spouse is my supply. My savings is my supply. My job, my career is my supply. My pension is my supply. That's all thorn belief. And that holds us back and chokes the Word of God from us. Americans are far more in love with money than they could ever imagine. Again, it doesn't mean, uh, well, that person has a lot of money, therefore they have to see No, it doesn't mean that at all. What they have isn't the point. It's how they view what they have is, is what really matters. If we lack sufficient monies and we think money can solve all my problems, we have found thorns already. And if we have thorns in us, then the Word of God is being choked out of us because I'm doing this to myself. Very important. How we view money is incredibly serious. Jesus said a lot about money in the the Gospels because even in His day, uh, people uh, thought it would rule their lives. And obviously, it's, it's in competition with the Word of God. So, if we have thorns in us, then the Word of God is being choked out of us. I'm doing this To myself. And notice here in verse 19, it says, The desire for other things enter in. Okay, the desire for other things. Um, It's up to us to see that we don't have the desire for other things enter our hearts. That's why we have to put a guard over our hearts that we don't let the desire for other things, such as ambition, uh, selfishness enter in, and the thorns then grow. So these thorns are all external until we let them in us, and then they hurt us. And as I said before, the thorns press into our soul realm and cause mental stress. They cause worry, they call, cause fretfulness, they cause fear. whenever i 'm speaking to someone, if they want prayer, because they 're overwhelmed, maybe with fear or with worry or with stress. I know I'm looking at a person that has allowed thorns to grow in their heart. Biblically, that's the answer. They've allowed that, and I can't help you with that. What, say poof, and and the thorns all go away, the fear all goes away. You let them in. All I can do is instruct you how to get them out. I can't live your life for you. And yet people always, when they come to altars so much, I'm not talking about our church, I'm talking in general, they always want magic. Poof, make it all go away so I can go away fine but you caused this problem yourself. You have to find the grace of God and retrain you in how you think and how you deal with this world around you. You caused your own problem. We can help instruct you, absolutely, but you've got to do this yourself. We're not your Savior. We can't live your life for you. And that's a very important issue that we have to get. Um, So in one translation here, uh, cares of the world, talks about cares— that take place in our mind and preoccupy our mind instead of the Word of God preoccupying our mind. You know, isn't it interesting? Jesus on the cross, He wore a crown of thorns around His head. How about that? An open show of the discomfort that we all feel in the mind that He took for us. In Isaiah 53, verse 4, he bore our griefs and carried our pains. And it tells us in Hebrews chapter um, 4, in verse 15, that he can sympathize with us. In other words, he's not unable to understand the pressures that we go under. And it's here, it's all connected. Jesus in his parables, in his actions of what he does. Wow, look at this. He lives out exactly what he's been teaching. So, in looking to bring this to a, to a close tonight uh, on what we're all talking about regarding thorns, uh, this is real simple, real three things here. Number one, find them. Identify them. If I've been speaking tonight to you and you've been identifying thorns in your own life, that's good. You need to identify them. Don't hide away from them. Find them. Show them. Expose them. The enemy never wants to be exposed. Always expose them. Expose them to light. He loves darkness. Don't give him darkness. Give him light. Expose them. Identify them for yourself. Write them down. Second thing you have to do is kill them. You have to kill them. I can't kill them for you. How do you kill them? You get out God's Holy Spirit. Weed will kill her and you spray them with the truth of the Word of God. I'm serious. Will you do? Uh, uh, That is, um, we need uh, to have the Word of God coming that brings us hope and leads us into faith. Only the Word of God can do that for us as Holy Spirit applies that to us. So, in other words, find the Scriptures that speak to the opposite of the thorns that you found and meditate on that Word of God, and it brings death to them. If there's financial lack, what do we share in the offering today? Uh, That my God shall supply all my needs, Philippians 4.19. We need to be saying that to ourselves over and over and over again when the fear tries to come and tell you, oh, no, it won't. Oh, yes, it will. Oh, no, it won't. Oh, yes, it will. And eventually the enemy gives up and those thorns start to get killed. And it's very important that we don't be moved by what we see. We let God's promises have a greater place in our hearts. You have to kill your own thorns. So you have to find them. You've got to kill them. And number three, you have to cash your cares onto the Lord because he cares for us. We have to stop meditating on the devil's lies, which causes us to have just more thorns develop in our hearts. And so what if I have rocks Ah, and thorns? Well, if you got rocks, you got to till the soil of your heart to get good soil. So how do you till the soil of your heart? Well, you know, what do they do with that soil? They turn it over and over and over again. They till the soil. We till the soil with prayer. We till the soil with time in the Word of God. We till the soil in time with other believers that are strong in faith, knows that know how to speak the Word of God. Uh, we sit under the Word of God. We're taught and we proclaim the Word of God. That's an all of a tilling of the soil. By just sitting here tonight, your soil is getting tilled. and I didn't even hurt you. Your soil is just getting tilled by sitting here. It's being toiled, it's being turned over and over to produce good soil. That's why we always want to be in church, not out of church. Uh, it doesn't matter if the guy speaking or the lady speaking has got the greatest sermon in the world or one that needs an awful lot of help. Just be under the Word of God. Let the Lord do the rest. The personality is not important. At least that the Word is going forth, give it to me right here, Lord. Give it to me right here. Pour it right in me because you're getting soil un- overturned over and over again, tilled inside of you, and the rocks are being turned over. The obstacles get removed. You now, how many times I hear people say they've been to a church service and they leave and they go, oh, that felt good. I needed that. Okay, what you just told me, the soil of your heart just got turned over. What are you going to do about it now when you leave? Don't leave it here. Unfortunately, too many leave it here. Uh, That's good. That's a good turning over that just happened. Keep it up. Keep it up. That's why it's good to re-listen to certain messages that are spoken, uh, to hear it again and again and again until you you feel saturated with it. Because that means it's doing something in you. That's why we have podcasts, so that you would use them for your advancement. So, um, in Jesus' parable here, notice I didn't say anything about the good soil. Because when it comes to the good soil... There's very little that's said about it. Isn't that something? There's very little you have to say about good soil because very little has to be said about quality. The fruit speaks for itself. I remember when I was a little kid, I, there was this neighbor that grew strawberries and they grew them gigantic. And another neighbor said, you know why those are big strawberries? I said, why? He's got good soil. He was right. Actually, what he did was he buried his garbage. And turn the soil over. Obviously, he was putting nutrients in the soil. Uh, anyway, today they'd probably be fine if you did that. Uh, so anyway, uh, but so very little has to be said about good soil; it just speaks for itself. So as we come to a close here tonight, um, let's look at truth from the Word of God in Second Corinthians chapter ten. Uh, I'm sorry, chapter nine, verses ten and eleven. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, and bread for food will multiply, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. My God gives us seed to sow. This is a seed book. When I put faith in the promises that are here, they grow in me. The seedling grows in me and it produces a crop not just for me, but for the kingdom of God, for my brothers and sisters in Christ that I'm related to, for my generation that I live in. And he supplies abundant seed to us. Please don't leave your seed in the seed book. Use it. Find—I mean, you can buy books that, that are called God's promise books, where they just take a whole bunch of scriptures that are promises. They're great to have. There's all kinds of kinds of them out there. And uh, you can hold on to the promises and start to read them and believe what you're reading. That's for me. You read, oh, that's for me. And the voice goes, no, it ain't. Oh, yes, it is. That's for me. And you just start believing what you're reading and leave the rest to the Lord, right? He knows how to make the word seed grow. I don't. It's something that it's happens. You plant a seed in the ground, all of a sudden a crop comes up and you go, oh, look at that. How about that? You had no idea what was going on under the soil unless you studied botany in school but you have no idea what's going on under the soil. And magically, it just pops up. That's what happens in us. The Word of God goes in us, and we start getting fruit in our lives and that we didn't expect that was coming. We should have expected. We've been planting seed all this time. Amen. Let's pray here. Let's pray here, and as you bow your hearts with me, let's believe the Lord to reveal, hopefully He has been doing that to you tonight, what rocks or thorns we all might have, and that we have to start to uproot them, Holy Spirit, will you look to you tonight to reveal to us the rocks and the thorns that we have let grow in our hearts, that we have taken on that we shouldn't have taken on. We call them to uproot tonight in the name of Jesus. Let's start tonight. Holy Spirit, till the soil of our souls, of our hearts tonight, that we would be a people that welcome that tilling and turning over. That these rocks and thorns of worry and fear and things that are not of the Lord, not my inheritance, are rooted out of me in the name of Jesus. Where there's no forgiveness, I'll find forgiveness. Where there's no uh, issues of or there's issues of of lack, I will find gain. Where there's issues of uh, persecution, I will overcome in the name of Jesus. Lord God, uproot them tonight in us. That our soil, Lord God, would be good soil— for your word seed to be planted in, not just tonight, but in these days ahead. That Father, we would be conscious of this. Holy Spirit, farm us. Farm us, Holy Spirit. Create in us something great as you're doing every time we come before you, that we would treat it as precious and valuable, and knowing that fruit is coming in our lives in the kingdom of God. And we thank you for this, Father God, tonight. And in these days ahead, in Jesus' name, can you say amen? amen? Amen.